Welcome to AmiCast, podcast about Amiga computers. I'm your host, Krzysztof Radzikowski, but call me Christoph or Radzik. Welcome to the uh, number 11. Uh, so this is the uh, AmiCast, uh, the number is 11. Uh, and today special guest is Mike from Colanto. So um, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Christoph. Good to be on Amicast. Uh, you actually you made me install the the podcast software on my phone to listen to your podcast in the car. So it's exciting to be here. Oh, thank you very much. So, but now you have the options to listen uh, even more Amiga podcasts because uh, uh, last year we, we get the Amigos podcast. Uh, I don't know if you tried, and the and the now is a Retro Hour podcast, something connected with the with the Amiga and the Boeing Sword because you speak German as well. Yeah, so for you it's possible to. It's it, it's good to have all these alternatives and actually yes this year I, I I see him involved in a couple of these already yes it's a pleasure so very nice so very good this is the this is the good for for our community so uh, I think we can start like usual so your um, yeah or we started like like this the besides of the Amiga your, your in your private work or some uh, in your work you, what you are doing if you can yeah. say well like many Amiga users I think we are very much defined also by 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 this evolution in the past decades I dare to say I mean I grew up with Commodore and Amiga before even being a teenager uh, with 8-bit uh, Commodore 8032 and VIC-20 and then when the Amiga came out that was the perfect machine best hardware best software elegantly together so that's when I started programming also in, in C and switching from the 6502 basic and machine language on the pet. So for, for decades, uh, this defined me day and night and weekends. And uh, of course, the creative aspects of it, uh, the, they, they meet the definition of many hobbies also, but you can't say that you are very much of an extrovert probably if you prefer to stay with computers no so um i'm still like that today uh, i i add uh, to the passion of creating in writing and in products so i'm more of like a i feel like a product design and architect a little bit uh, i like creating usable products i work as a providing feedback to polish products from others for example And uh, in this Amiga niche, there's also this retro, this keeping alive the, the, the flame, in a way, the torch of, of what defined us in the past. So that's an important hobby for me. On the business side, we do more boring things, but uh, these allow us to, to finance Amiga forever because, sure, thanks to the users, it is possible as a project and it has been possible for almost 20 years now. Uh, so it's community-sponsored in this way. Uh, it's not just the commercial evil side, but it's also the thank you side. But still, the project is barely, you know, it's, sometimes it's in red, sometimes it's barely black, even breaks even, and we immediately put all the money back. But 
still, all the time we take and other resources we get from our business-to-business -business, uh, work, which is with uh, currency solutions. And um, some of the aspects, though, from that world, uh, you know, quality, procedures, security, and these things, strangely, you also find in Amiga Forever, and we can talk about it later. So you see all the code signing on this, the sandbox, and uh, you have no Amiga Forever, and other sites, all HTTPS, and, and we don't exchange data insecure. And and all these things. So when we certify with Microsoft, so all these things seem to be they're probably boring listening, but there's a, a dimension of quality which transpires from from the business side into the consumer one, uh, and we're covering both. Um, so um, yeah, I do have some 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 hobbies, like I, I have my instructor with uh, St John Ambulance. So that's totally unrelated. You have to be in touch with people. And uh, just like this podcast, talking to you and the MIG events, um, it's good to be, be in touch with explaining and, and questioning situations, I think. They, they help you understand and, and move forward. You, it's, for me, it's a lot of learning always. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. I find myself really... Uh, working bad hours i'm not a good example <laughs> so yeah to make the, to keep the mega thing alive it's taking a lot of time that possibly should be spent otherwise but you cannot have it all so we we are trying hard but yeah that's it i i, I know the feeling so uh, okay so <clears throat> now the question uh, is uh, as well, I think typical. So your first Amiga, it was your first computer, and this, the 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 story of you in the Amiga world. Well, um, I was, as I said, I was already programming. Whether I was trying to imitate the arcade games, or I was doing work for the company where my father was working. I was doing like mailing list software on the Commodore PET. Um, or I wrote a little word processor there. And then the VIC-20, I was dreaming in color. So at one point, the VIC-20 had to arrive. I never had, had a C64, but uh, I, I these things like sprites and so on, I tried with some friends. It was interesting. But when, the, when you know, the Byte magazine with Amiga came out with a cover story, I, f I fell in love with it. I, I started, even before it came in Europe, uh, I started ordering the Addison Wesley books. Uh, I learned programming in C, all in theory, because I couldn't have the machine. And then I was studying computer science when the Amiga came, and they were forcing me to do the code in Pascal. So I was doing the code in C first on the Amiga, and then I would rewrite it in Pascal, which, okay. So um, in the first years... Um, I wrote a software for the handicapped uh, word processor, and that's when Cloanto was incorporated. So um, it started with Amiga. And, uh, okay, so the, the, the Cloanto is uh, how old in this situation? Um, that was 87, so we are 29 years now. And um, we're now we have two companies in the US and in Italy. And, uh, uh, well, we, we still do software, quality software, development, publishing, uh, now software as a service, as it's called now. Uh, 
also, but still I see it as a, a software trying to change and improve all the time. It's a big challenge, you know, it's when, when I started, you could have, um, there was the internet, but not the web. You could have an overview of things through a few technical magazines. There were a few events. Events were important and you, you went to trade shows to see what everything that was new. Um, but uh, not so much any longer. Anyway, um, I got lost now. This is something you have to do. <laughs> yes. So uh, I was switching from the... Ah, yes. No. So we had we went from uh, the creative aspects of software in this smaller community to additional layers which came later uh, like uh, marketing and legal this was not part of the initial years in the initial years when the audience was more technical the market was less mature um, a good product was easier to sell. You, you almost, if you, if you didn't like the idea that you had to also do the commercial side, because some, some, some people, and I, I, I feel an affinity with that. You know, it seems like begging or like selling your soul a little bit when you like just crafting. When you have them to sell it, it's a different world a little bit. It's like the, the illusion that a good product sells for itself by itself. No, which. Instead, then you learn that, uh, yeah, yeah, marketing is needed. Of course, a good product is needed as well. Um, you need both. And then came all the lawyers. So marketing was a big um, change in a more mature market because uh, brands define products and recognition more. You know, I was hoping that people would learn to recognize quality in software, for example, like you do in cars in watches and so on but no the opposite happened the market became less technical and uh, the standards in a way you know we had the user interface style guides and microsoft had them we i mean amiga uh, and um, now everything is even more diverse between apps between platforms platforms and uh, uh, software and web and so uh, and the 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 it, everything is full of smoke so many apps and uh, less technical users and uh, so things things got more difficult and then after all this extra effort extra energy needed to present yourself once you have a good product the, the legal the legal side uh, also became very very important so with its trade yeah, the, the, the patents exactly. and we, we started my first impact was probably when we started to we, we needed to license the unisys patent for for the gif uh, file format no i actually had done a thesis on the level zip welch compression algorithm so i knew it very well but i didn't know that there was a patent pending when i had started it so um in a way it it, it all it all helps you learn so yes trademarks copyrights and patents are now uh, on the on the table of every software company you cannot do it without and so yeah the the world has become uh, not more more difficult it's you know now you find solutions online to technical problems before if there was a bug in sisc uh, in the lattice c compiler you had to bang hit the head on the wall yourself until you found 
why now you just google it and, and, and you have the solution uh but competition now I, I was looking the other day do you know how many ios app developers there are in china that's one million one, one million so it's um to do something original or do you have the illusion that you're doing something special you know it's uh, people are still trying to change the world in a way but are they um so yeah it's a fascinating world and, and there's many things tomorrow now they're selling us on fake promises of artificial intelligence and things but i'm still looking at the tomorrow thing that will come really explosive things Yes, this is. Um, uh, I have this. I think the same problem because uh, now I think that everything was already invented or is already invented. So if you have the idea, like I, I, I'm engineer, so I have some stupid ideas. So I check it in Google or I check it in Amazon or and or eBay, and it's oh, oops, already there. And sometimes, <laughs> so. sometimes the average user, because of the marketing problem I mentioned before, it's already there and it's good, but it's unknown, and that's why you keep also reinventing the wheel. But still, the online world, the, the modern world, is trying to look for ways for reputation mechanisms, you know, recognition and reward mechanisms. We see them everywhere, whether it's in driving cars, it's online online services renting flats, um, social networks. The quality in a way is algorithmically trying to emerge more and more. But also like search engine optimizations, there's people who try to cheat and beat the system because they understand the algorithm. So it's a constant uh, game of, of, of algorithm and, and counter algorithm to, to, to beat them. It's fascinating. Yep. It's it's the, it's uh, at the end of all it's um, somehow it's easier to to be present in this world and it's somehow is uh, harder because it's a lot of guys that can make the movie in 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 youtube or or even podcast or something so it's easier and harder i love to yeah? be surprised but also this modern complexity brings us back to the comfortable predictable amiga c64 everything that is Retro now is a bit more lifestyle uh, and I'm in touch daily with our big community of users and you know it's so reassuring to to intimately know the hardware and the operating system and to know that it will never change uh, which makes it great systems for example speaking of the C64 or the Amiga for educational purposes in my opinion the immutability of this you can you can learn programming the c64 the amiga on a tablet at school uh bring it back on the pc and then on ebay buy a real machine then attend a demo competition and in 20 years you can still do amiga demos for example i think you will not be able to do raspberry pi demos i think in 10 or 20 years these things keep changing they're good educational tools but do they have this aura this this fascinating thing that they come from the past they have they're not perfect but even imperfection the compromise they had to make the gaps in the silicon and the bugs uh, everything for me makes these machines also beautiful learning platforms mm, so, okay and the yeah that's mm -hmm. one field others remember these machines 
for the games. So they play the games of their youth, or maybe they never could afford an Amiga, and now with emulation it's possible. Uh, or they play the games of their own youth with their children and grandchildren. We have lots of people sharing this, these stories. So it's it's a moment where generations meet. Or you, I see children at events who are presented with these strange, let's call them strange joysticks and pixelated games. At first it seems difficult, but then because the gameplay essence is there, they enjoy them and they like becoming experts in this. So yeah, we mentioned the, the gaming and then productivity. Personally, for myself, Amiga Forever was a continuity and preservation and productivity thing. I, I was never a gamer. So my Amiga 3000 was slowly fall, falling apart. It was my main main machine until the, well, for about 10 years, it was always on. And, um, you know, so one chip broke, I had to replace the SCSI and the serial would only work with the printer on or things like that. And in emulation, instantly I had more memory, uh, more better graphics, uh, faster and more discs and I still have my Amiga 3000 exactly there well preserved and so we have many users with their own custom Amigas and software they used to have maybe they don't use the internet anymore on the Amiga but everything from the past they can still access I like this powerful idea of uh, long time continuity of access uh, you know Companies like Microsoft, they have their own virtualization solutions like Hyper-V and so on. But year after year, they keep cu cutting. Windows XP isn't supported. Windows 95 isn't supported. MS-DOS isn't supported. So in my opinion, if I was them, that's not the question and it's not the topic, but I would give much more of a priority to preserving everything because we, we cannot afford to lose the culture of the past so we have an obligation we in our in, in our case i feel the obligation on the common amiga front but others companies which are still there i think they should do more to to preserve their own past to keep it accessible yeah to have this this, this story behind the company yeah some yeah something uh, but uh, now i have the one question uh, somehow connected with this about the retro movement and the the, the um, this 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 trend uh, so the do you think that uh, the retro is go a little bit going now to the mainstream and this is not only about the computers but about the for example the retro cars the mini the volkswagen beetle the i don't know the the even some stuff uh, of everyday yes. use they are becoming the retro design yeah i started i think there's two aspects in this for the cars maybe and also you see this in games and, and movies it's indie games for example uh. indie games is one thing but sometimes making a continuation of the old is less risky and less expensive than doing something very new but this is one aspect which may be for the cars you know the volkswagen and fiat and others started reinventing the old but i, I started noticing this retro getting mainstream probably when the first star wars prequel came and you saw this generations wanting to go back to their own youth. And you, you see oh, the, the pin, people buying pinballs to put at home and Vespas becoming fashionable again. So um, 
Yes, in the 90s, when we started doing emulation, um, the technical and legal aspects were interesting, but this being a lifestyle thing, like retro is cool, for us it wasn't retro. For us it was, uh, there were these important uh, challenges of the, the Amiga hardware market. Uh, collapsing, no more hardware, aging things, no maintenance and so on, and, and the legal aspects of being able to do it properly. But actually people were accusing us of killing the Amiga, and actually now I hit this again with the PowerPC, but um, you know, it, it was not celebrated yet as retro is cool, as, 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 as the preservation thing, as the ability to do something rather than losing something that we see today. Mm -hmm. Today we see it as this. And now, so we, you can say with with the benefit of seeing things from 2016, uh, it became more successful than we ever would have thought in, in uh, 96 or 97 when we started working on emulation. But still, it's a niche. I mean, uh, we celebrate it because we are surrounded by people who think the same and we, we search for it in the forums where we go. But it's like you know when i mentioned the one million uh, ios developers in china it's uh, we are the niche of the niche of the niche still we could make it bigger because just to mention the educational front as an example uh, put it in every school and suddenly you have something big and interesting again and i i, I am i believe in the in the quality in the merits of of, of these old systems for educational purposes Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that for, for Amiga, it's good time to use this retro movement now to, to a little bit uh, grow some, somehow, but, but we will see. But again, but um, I would like you uh, to ask you about this, because Klanto is so old that you say it, so you have experience. Can you say that the story be after the Commodore uh, get down and what 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 is what is what was happening on the market from the business side of of developer for example yeah you mean the changes between when like commodore bought the company and when it went really down then the, the market was collapsing something like this so how the developer uh, survived this or the story behind this yes well i was an early developer so i was there with all the excitement whenever there was like a developers conference uh, or a trade show there was Irving gould uh, like at cbit or there was uh, jay minor at the developers conferences like in paris uh, you hear my interview there and the amiga forever i did that um everybody was there and you had this feeling of how uh, technology is going to change the world because really they were one innovation after the other, uh, radically different from the previous generation. Um, but also things were were changing. The market was getting more mature. The 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 billion year that the billion dollar year that Commodore had before it bought Amiga uh, was was a peak. They didn't expect it to be a peak. And then there was a combination of, of, of factors from possibly poor product positioning, inventory issues, uh, lack of, you know, strong leadership and direction, com good competition, getting better. 
And uh, around 90, 1990, 1991, I already sensed problems. Uh, I remember when was the first Gulf War? I think they had to cancel. Uh, Devcon was cancelled, um, or, or they said we cannot put all, all the staff on a single plane because it's too risky. So, um, but these were just tips of icebergs. It, it was shaping into the problems we would see in '93. So, um, I sensed, uh, and still in those early '90s, our personal paint software, for example, was bundled with every Amiga sold. So for a small developer to replace Electronic Arts in this bundle was a, a very exciting thing. Um, Electronic Arts made millions of dollars in the early Amiga years by bundling D-Paint. This was outside of our numbers because those were the very good numbers. But then they invested in, uh, in 3DO, which was a competitor to um, Commodore and Amiga. Uh, Commodore didn't like that, plus our P-Paint was better at handling AGA and RTG graphics. So they were using us in trade shows and they were happy to use us in to replace D-Paint in the bundle. When D-Paint was, was created, it wasn't. we didn't aim at that. Uh, it, it, strangely, it was the success of a color version of a fonts editor we had. Uh, the personal fonts maker, which became color type, which became D-Paint, which became uh, an Amiga bundled product, which was a great experience. But also imagine when you are in a growth as a software company, very dependent on this, to suddenly everything turns negative. People uh, where you were selling inventory to, to Commodore distributors all around the world without thinking too much about uh, can they pay you later? Sure, everything everything was paid later in a way, but in that year, in '93, what was it? When the liquidation was, the bankruptcy, they started collapsing one after the other. We were suddenly very exposed. Not only had the growth stopped, but suddenly we were all very exposed. Also, with our uh, software sales, where we were sh we had shipped product and it was physical products then it was like thousand two thousand copies of this or that and so I could you know you could have bought a house maybe that back then with it but anyway so we decided the, the look the numbers were not looking good they were good for hardware companies I think who could offer expansion boards accelerator boards peripherals and things were Commodore didn't produce anymore because they closed. Now it was an opportunity for hardware developers. But for software developers, you were really relying on, on these new sales. Like every holiday season, people were new people were buying Amigas and then they would get software. So this was important also to keep the software companies growing. And I must say, uh, the people like uh, Petra Tischenko in Germany or... Um, David Pleasance in the UK and others, they recognized the suffering of the developers and they did everything they could to to support us developers. But still, nothing could beat actual uh, healthy growth by of a market that goes on because there's products. So suddenly there's no products and it's little, not much you can really do to help. So they asked us to do a few projects like uh, data types and other inter internet related things. Uh, and that, that everything helped, of course, but still the confusion came because um, we didn't know are they going QNX? Are they going? You know, they said the classic is dead now. So 
we couldn't do like personal paint eight. It was supposed to be like true color layers and vector and actually more than 24 bit real true color like you have now. But uh, everything was on hold because you didn't know what is the platform going to be. The classic officially was it was renamed. So by definition, it was the end. And instead, now we're still celebrating that. So I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised by many things. I'm surprised how these things from 30 years ago still define you today. Going back to your very early question, what do you do in life? In a way, I'm really, really, really surprised how the things we do in our teens or whatever, sometimes it's a university thesis that defines you and, you know, the, you don't think when you do things how important, how... How, how, how uh, which the, the, the decision makes your life or yeah, it, it shapes you. I mean, I, I've done other things in life, whether it's the you know the emergency volunteer, whether it's interviewing World War II veterans, and always I was surprised by you know when, when things start, you don't realize that. But I, what I would like to say maybe to something young is young who's doing the university thesis is okay, now you spent a few months, maybe a year. Or, it's a special topic, but can you imagine that this will remain, your thesis will continue defining you for decades because there will be less and less time to reposition yourself with that intensity and time um, day and night in another field. It, it gets more difficult. Sure, you can do it and it's. I find it refreshing to be surprised and to to do something different. That's growth, like like this podcast now. But it gets more difficult. So sometimes you are really surprised by by these old things defining you for much longer than expected. And yes, I'm still attaching Amiga floppy disk labels today. <laughs> Would you have thought that these floppy disks they were so cool? These you know the three and a half inch, and they were yeah. they were expensive. <laughs> like a box was like fifty yeah, euros. This is so true. A box of ten. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Um, uh, the, the, and the hard drive is. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was uh, my word processor and the other software in the first years. I wrote with four floppy drives. One was the boot, the system. One was the compiler, and one was the project disk. And the other, I don't remember now what, what I used. I want to ask you about the, the this old days about the piracy, uh, because a lot of guys said that the Amiga was killed by uh, completely piracy in the market so uh, every software was uh, uh, in 99% stolen not not bought so the, from the developer side uh, how it was well it's a what if game i think for commodore the it this i'm calling it piracy you know it's already a difficult topic we have this situation where with technology the cost of many things, of making things, tends to zero. Now, more and more countries are even talking about, you know, giving a fixed minimum wage uh, to people even if you do nothing. And this is possible in part because machines have taken over a little bit, not the, not the science fiction machines, but still a little bit with automation and with extraction of resources, which requires less people and other things. We, we can afford to maybe have shorter work hours and even less. But the trend is, is ongoing and it may, it may explode in one area or the other in an unpredictable linear, non-linear way. So 
um, the cost to produce software, of course, tends to zero, like music and other digital goods. Um, recently, we also had good examples where free software is free, like uh, shareware, open software, sorry, open source software, browsers, things you don't pay because somebody else is paying for it. Uh, often it's a company. This started in the, in the dot-com years. Um, oh, yes. Piracy. Now, you know, in the in the 90s, and then I'm going back to your question more properly, but I'm sort of going back in time now. In the 90s, piracy was being contrasted by police forces all around the world. Um, I mean, in the Western world, we saw I saw in Italy at the time, first, every computer magazine store was giving every um, computer shop actually they sold you the computers with pirate software you could buy pirate cassettes in, in every ma magazine store on, on. and uh, then the IRS um, and other forces stopped that shops had to sell legitimate software and business had, had to buy original software which was good for the software industry I think this is not true because then we go also to shareware and to trialware and to you know is it really lost revenue if somebody cannot afford to it is it good advertising is it the truth is always a bit more complex and in between anyway then came i think it came with peer-to-peer -peer. it came you know with the internet uh many governments started realizing like the old romans i think who gave bread and circus to keep the people happy. Many, many countries, and I would put Italy for me as a prime example of this, um, they didn't do anything about piracy anymore because people were happy getting free music, free movies, and, and the value, the perceived value of the digital, including software, went down. It went down with good examples like open source efforts. Uh, Linux, Firefox, and, and other projects. But also, it went down because what you can do is, is moral at the end. I mean, um, I saw this in bubbles before, like in Serbia, when there was the embargo, uh, everybody was swapping everything, and it was the only way you could do it. There were no moral problems, uh, uh, and culture in many fronts flourished. Um, still, it's, it works in a bubble because the actual creative, expensive processes are outside. Uh, but this uh, lack of contrast for the modern phenomena, but also not lack of contrast, it's a lack of solutions. You know, we, we are debating now, should there be a flat fee for music and these things? I think the solution will come. Anyway, back to piracy. We always knew as a software developer that there was piracy. I tried to make a point for myself not to engage in this, but um, we knew from the C64 days, from the 8-bit days, that these cassettes were being spread, that uh, it would always be with us. It's not that you do it and then you're surprised at this piracy. You knew, you knew that 1 in 10, if things went well, you would sell. So it was calculated something. It was like, known. Like I mean, I mean, things things were not calculated like I said for the bundle or these things that go well. They're not calculated, but also, I never had the illusion that I would stop piracy. I learned that you can first you you must not 
punish honest users. So I would never put uh, uh, an anti-piracy protection or something where the pirate version is better than the non-pirate one. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. This, this is totally stupid. I mean, you can uh, the version that spread would always be the cracked one anyway. So uh, you're only hurting the the honest user, and uh, and also the truth is in between um, the you must not make it too easy to get things so yes every now and then you know a major download site or something like that when they report it it's not just your duty because you are a license holder but also it's good if you rely on this for sales to send an email to the webmaster you know or, or whatever as now they call it the dmca notification um so you close that but i wouldn't invest too much in anti-piracy code you know activation or these things yes some activation to see that duplicate keys are not used 100 times you know yes but uh punishing honest users for that or putting crazy resources in in the code uh, I, I think somebody determined will always crack you even if this year there's a rumor that some groups have stopped cracking some type of code, but I think this. They, yeah, I, I heard from yeah. China, yeah. But some... I heard this before a few weeks before, and um, I think whatever they will also find it. And these anti-piracy measures, they also they connect to our topic of preservation. They are preventing, in a way, um, long-term continuity of access to these works. So if they relied on some activation servers, if they rely on some, you know, some number of the hardware or some, well, dongles is not our case, but sometimes they can be registered. Uh, to the, the internet card. I know this from my so, work, yeah, um, for example. Yeah, if it's a MAC address or disk ID or the configuration changes and will I, will it be possible for me to run my Windows 7 virtual system 20 years from now? I don't know. So, but my humble role, well, of course, with talking about this is, is good because it spreads awareness, but my humble role aims to be to make it possible, at least with all things CBM and Amiga. That's how I define it. Some, sometimes I, I, I must be careful not to widen the interest too much. Uh, you are on a dictionary page and then you see another word, another one, you can spend two hours on the dictionary instead of looking just the word you were looking up. So we do CBM and Amiga well. This is what we try to do well. And uh, IP is also an important part of that and we manage to uh, secure some of that and it helps. So doing other directions where we rely on others, it's it's a dif different thing even if you have cross-platform code okay so mm, i think we can start to 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 moving in yeah. direction uh, bring me back to the one dictionary word i was looking up because i got lost <laughs> i got lost you know the feeling it happens to you too when you look up something or maybe now you do it on the internet but uh, you were looking up some something on the on the dictionary or encyclopedia and all of a sudden you find yourself interested in many other things yeah you you find everything else that uh, but not the the, the 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 thing that you are really looking for anyway i i would like to add one thing if you allow me to um piracy 
I think there is potential for a renaissance of shareware, for example. Shareware meaning that you can have software that you can use for free with no limitation, but in a way, uh, there's freedom to contribute to what you can. This was the, the good Amiga days, yeah? The shareware was very popular in, on IMNET, Fred, Fish Disk and yeah. so on. Yeah? I was on the board of an association called Association of Shareware Professionals. And in a way, we thought that it was like a mission accomplished. And then the trial where and everything was replacing shareware. But I think there's a potential for a renaissance in that because it closes the circle between this f potential for things to be free still the need for support at least in the consumer side of things uh, the, the, maybe the 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 the, the shareware story now is a little bit uh, changed in in mobile device because now you can buy the application in the little version and then you you have this um, micro payments sure. then maybe this is the solution uh, yeah. or this is the the, the evolution of shareware a student or if you're unemployed for example if somebody writes us they say look i'll buy it i don't have the money right now do we ever say no to no if, if you lose something because you are, you had a flood or a fire whatever you get a free replacement of course i think that's how everything digital should be but why say no if you cannot well i mean sure there's people who can cheat but if a nine-year-old tells me he doesn't have the money. How silly would it? What do I gain from not giving a free version to that person? So even the app, why why not give him the 4.99 garage software to play music properly? Maybe he gets he becomes a the garage band or whatever. It's not free, you know. So th there's many apps where, in a way, the challenge is to to optimally maximize what is possible and make more people happy. So some people would be happy to support you with $100, not with one. And they don't know how to do it. And they would do it and it would help you. It's not that you're going to then waste it and gambling. No, you would just put it back on work. And people are crowdfunding the the games that nobody wants to release because make no sense in the opinion of, of big developers. But at the end of all, a lot of games is founded like 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 that. I don't know. Maybe Kickstarter is the solution for Amiga problems as well. It's it's a good idea, but Kickstarter has a lot of broken promises and money gone nowhere. I paid for some projects. I'm still. I, I'll never get what I paid for probably. So it needs a way to guarantee and secure things some sort of insurance i don't okay let's 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 come back to the the client and the the the, um, the start of the emulation because uh, we know now that this was not so easy after commodore uh, period and then uh, then at the end of 90s the emulation of amiga starts to be maybe not popular but start to be present and uh, Amiga Forever packet, uh, I, I think it's uh, quite popular and it's as well quite old or it's experienced. <laughs> yeah, it changed radically also between some major versions. So are you finished with the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sto again, story about the Amiga Forever, how it starts at end. In those difficult years, we were really looking for a direction. On one hand, 
we were big um, power PC fans. Um, you know, I, I remember these magazines like Power PC News, or, uh, Microsoft, uh, Unix, uh, uh, Sun with Solaris, Next with OpenStep and, and Apple. Everybody was talking Power PC. It was going to be this huge common hardware reference platform and everything would work on it. Even I myself, I was in Cupertino w w with some new fancy OS that was supposed to, to work on this elegant RISC architecture. But then Intel showed us that with complexity or brute force or new approaches, you could compete with that and things changed. So um, in those years, we were looking for alternatives to Amiga software development, which was clearly in decline. So the figures were tragic. Uh, we put personal paint on Aminet because in the spirit I mentioned, if you cannot sell it, at least give it free. Um, mm -hmm. We would not invest in, uh, in Apple back then in 97, 96, uh, the situation was very difficult for them as well. So we wanted something that was the opposite of Amiga, something where you could be sure that it was not going to fail like Amiga did. So we were really badly hurt and bleeding. And, and um, So looking for sol solidity, Windows in, in that time, Windows NT4 came out. It was a nice operating system for me. Also from an engineering point of view, it was, it felt solid. It looked like Windows could be a platform and uh, CPUs were powerful enough to, as Bernd Schmidt showed, have also uh, emulation. I remember I was thinking about Amiga emulation back in the OS2 days. Uh, you know, oh, it's multitasking. Why don't we multitask one 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 processor with one task and so another thread, something else? But to keep it in sync was impossible back then with that approach. Um, anyway, Bern Schmidt showed that it was possible with the technology then available. Uh, we got in touch um, also with other people, Brian King inherited from Matthias Ortmann. The Windows port uh, spent six months with us. We we spoke about the licensing things. Would it be okay? We spoke with Gateway, met several times with, uh, with Amiga International and Gateway, who at the time took over. Um, and so back in the days, emulation of other platforms was seen as something related to piracy. Possibly it was, of course, if there is no legal offering, um, you have to download the ROMs or whatever. And still Nintendo, Sony and others didn't see emulation of their systems as something that would be possible. So you had police raids and court dates and these things. We, we wanted to avoid that on the Amiga and we managed to do that. So we had to license the trademarks, patents and copyrights back then. So we had the official powered by Amiga logo. So uh, we, we had the first official uh, by Amiga notebook and so on. Um, the fastest um, Amiga possible back then on an alpha CPU. Uh, it was interesting to see um, the, the, that first year of emulation, but also it evoked some mixed feelings. You know, for some it was a good uh, 
alternative if everything failed, uh, you know, this aging hardware problem where you have a backup plan with emulation. Um, and for some, it was contributing to the to the death of the Amiga. But my, my saying always was, look, emulation is between 10 and 50 times slower. If this is killing the real thing, it means the real thing isn't so good anymore. Or if it's too expensive, I don't know. At the time, however, it ju just wasn't available. So uh, Amiga Forever in the first version was a very thin uh, layer of, of player user interface code. And um, this too evolved in parallel with WinUAE and other components that were there. We, over time, we also licensed uh, cyber graphics and other components, which also went back into the open source project. Uh, it became open source. I mean, UAE itself, when we started, wasn't a GPL. Uh, we, we helped with our contacts because we had to ask permission to distribute that uh, in Amiga Forever, with those same contacts, we also asked if it was okay then to to make a GPL two or yeah, it was two at the time. Um, so um, over time, however, the player you see in Amiga Forever on Windows at least evolved into something which was completely rewritten around 2007 when we introduced the retro platform architecture, where the UAE and Fellow, they still act as an emulation engine, but all the user interface, things like moving windows, save state, pause, um, the authoring of titles, um, they are taken care of by the player, by which is the same interface you will see regardless of the emulation engine or even the platform. We are multi-platform. We can do uh, like, like C64 on Amiga, in Amiga Forever and C64 Forever, you can right-click a title, select Edit, and this title editor is the same. It has some platform-specific options, of course, in the configuration section, but the experience is, is shared. If you are a power user, you want to make your titles um, long-term accessible and described and configured with ancillary data like screenshots, manuals, or whatever, you can do that. We have this file format called RP9, which is like a zip package with an XML manifest and all the the disk images and the other data I mentioned inside. It's one file to download, one file to move or edit, and you can play that with different plugins, WinOE, WinFellow, whatever is compatible with it. And the code necessary to, um, to author and play this back, before WinOE uh, started pulling in like from QEMO and, and DOSBox, uh, you know, now it's emulating so many different CPUs because the Amiga itself has the sidecar and the PowerPC expansion and so on. But when it was 60K only, I think we met the, 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 our code and the open source components and the glue components in the middle, they were pretty balanced. So it's not just that we are selling without adding value on the code, not even mentioning the legal, but on the technological, the code value, it's everything is deeply integrated. There's a conversation, a constant conversation with the open source developer, but also a lot of time spent in-house on other aspects, which are also code. And um, so now we are looking at mobile and Mac. 
I hope so uh, about the Mac because I use the Mac and I must use the virtual machine or uh, Winnie to make the Amiga Forever or Winnie UI um, working. So uh, it, I'm not happy. I'm looking forward for the Mac edition. So it's lack of resources. The decision from 97 to start on Windows, in a way, it's still the largest share. So it was good, but I think uh, the Amiga users also with a passion for diversity, they also embrace the Mac in, in higher than average uh, share. And uh, mobile takes away time from people who are not busy on the desktop, but maybe they could experience something on a tablet or on a, on a phone. Yeah, this was, uh, to that I have one more question because I think it is quite easy maybe uh, in legal way on the Android but on the iOS I think it's not so uh, easy to make emulation uh, but it will be great to have the Amiga in well, iPad. There was a change in the last few months but nobody really noticed it. Uh, Apple released their development environment also without requiring the $99 a year subscription, which was the blocking point to make the App Store compatible with the GPL requirements. So because Android and Microsoft had free tools that allow you to access and modify the code, they would qualify to host um, GPL code. But as the case of the VLC media player showed on the Apple Store, um, that was determined to be the incompatibility. But now this $99 a year requirement is not there anymore. Apple still has another obstacle, which is it doesn't like emulation and adding content too much. So in iTunes, you can add your own PDFs, your own text files, you, I mean, to, to an app. You, you can even play your own music. But if you can access your own games, then right now they still see it as a problem. But, you know, there's some apps, they, they, they give you access to a folder on Dropbox. And who am I um, if to say that you cannot, in this Dropbox share, have PDF files or MP3 files or RP9 files, which are the files which, as we mentioned, is is our way to, to exchange content in a cross-platform way. So you can configure the titles on the PC and play them back with one click on a very simpler user interface on, on a phone or tablet. I think this is possible. But uh, I would like to mention this thing that changed in the last few months, that now I, I did. I haven't seen a, a, an in-depth legal analysis about this, and it surprised me that nobody in the mainstream media has noticed that now this big incompatibility, which was raised as an issue with the VLC media player issue, with the case some time ago, it, it dropped. It silently dropped from the on the Apple platform at least. So in that respect, it's like Android and Microsoft. This is good. This is uh, at the end of all, Apple must must start to fight with Android. Uh, I think Microsoft is that no, nobody cares on mobile or about Microsoft, but Android is growing very fast. So Apple must respond to this to be 
first or uh, yeah, probably you know like microsoft did with the express edition compilers visual studio express and these things y you want more developers to be exposed without having to pay and it was not uh, the, the the gpl incompatibility in my opinion was not the priority the priority probably was to to give more people uh, access to the potential to develop so it, yeah Okay, so, uh, but coming back to uh, the Mac version, so um, can you say something when it can be, can happen, for example, to bring the native version of, of, of yeah. We are so busy, <laughs> we are so busy on so many fronts. Um, we are collecting, we have been actually for a couple of years now, if you're interested in the Mac version, please sign up at amigaforever.com slash Mac. Yeah, I know this. And um, this helps us get a feeling of how many people are interested. And maybe we do a Kickstarter. But if we start doing a Kickstarter, it means it's already really started. But because professional developers are involved, we need also some sort of, you know, commitment to estimate whether this is really possible with those numbers or not. So, yeah, Kickstarter would be an option, for example. And uh, that's why signing up is, is a good way. Um, I, I hope that this year will be the year of the Mac. But uh, I mean, we are talking now on Skype on my 2011 MacBook Air. <laughs> so I'm a Mac user too. I have Windows on it, but I also have Mac OS. So I feel the pain. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, but okay, let's let's uh, let's hope that it 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 will <coughs> it it will happen, and I hope the the idea of um, integration of Dropbox with Amiga Forever it can be not so bad idea. It could be good idea because you can yeah share your states through the. the... You already saw a bit of that. Uh, there's a new. Well, you have a Mac only, and I don't know if you saw the Windows version of Amiga Forever, but in the Media tab. Uh, we, when you edit a title, there's now a checkbox where you can include a special drive. It's called shared folder drive. So you can have, uh, right now you can have you know, like Amigo S4 share data with Workbench 3X or 1.3. So we even show you, this was a little detail that Tony added for this, a synthetic .info file so that you can, since you don't have a show all, in 1.3, you wouldn't see the content. So it's it's a nice way to share data between different Amiga systems. But also the next step is that this shared folder can be, if you want, magically shared between uh, multiple computers. It's your decision. It, it will be- Where I put the folder, okay. So cool. it's, but it's already there. The, sh the, the long-term goal of this shared folder is that you will be able to sync it between mobile, uh, PC, and so on. Of course, you could already now just mount a directory which is inside Dropbox. You can already do this, but it's not a one-click thing. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so um, first, uh, for, sure, uh, for sure you know I will move 
uh, to the emulation of uh, OS for one. But before, <laughs> I would like to ask you about the because the Amiga Forever comes with the AmiKid version uh, and the, for example Workbench One Free and and there is the Workbench Three Point X. And uh, this is the hybrid workbench on, uh, or, or some, it looked like 3.9, but this is not exactly 3.9, I think. Uh, can we get the future update of this or, or yeah, it can be more to the new users, easy to use or something in this direction? There's a lot of knots to untie on this front. It's a question with many aspects. So the... There's a lot of pain also in many people and companies who developed things and then, you know, they didn't have the right contacts, contracts in place or the numbers were not enough or they just want, don't want to open this can of worms anymore. And I also see it as our goal to try and solve these issues one by one. Um, there was a dispute like between Hagen Partner and Amiga Inc. so that we cannot really use uh, Mega OS 3.9. It's not clear who has the rights. So, um, my personal goal is that we see the classic Amiga OS open source. But there are some there's some legal homework to be done, which we have been doing for years, one little step at a time. So I think we are getting there. And this, if these people want to, the developers where the rights have reverted and so on, are willing. There's not much money. The money there is can also be shared. So like we did contribute to different projects and like uh, other companies are still spreading the small amounts that are there, whether it's payment in money, in software, in hardware, whatever. Um, we, we need to clear some rights after 93. We, we are very strong on the rights up to 1993. After that, so uh, 93, you will remember, is when the CD32 was released. So we are we are talking about 3.1. That's okay, but some some small fixes to 3.1 came later, and especially the huge work done by the Hagen Partner developers, Heinz Frobel, Olaf Bartel, and others that came also later. And we still have developers who, I mean, even in noise, I spoke with two developers. They we spoke about possible enhancements. Uh, noise is the Mega 30 anniversary event in Germany. For just since I just mentioned the city name, yeah. Uh, the same in the US. I, I was in touch with some developers and in Amsterdam. So there's um, a lot of energy there. If just technology and a little bit of finances would help us organize it properly. And, and people, of course, but um, you know we need the right platforms to 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 help glue together things in a very efficient way. Uh, and the two stumbling blocks are finance and legal. So whether it's with the help of a generous donor, some large company, or whether we keep doing it ourselves with the sales of Amiga Forever and C64 Forever. And whether the we can one after the other also clear some things after '93. Well, this is what we are doing now. So you 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 went into some very actual topics. I prefer to announce things after they're ready rather than do a Kickstarter. But if I have to, <laughs> we we are here also to talk about the future, of course. So 
Um, yeah, there is interest in 3.1. 3.1, yeah, 3.1 has more apps. It has more developers. Uh, maybe PowerPC, after all, at last, it, it is realized that I don't want to dare to call it a failure, but is it a dead end uh, when you have a modern system, but then it's a modern system where you cannot even browse the web properly. Uh, you have to keep up with a lot of technologies, which we were spared in our classic, uh, I mean, as long as you don't have the internet and as long as you are emulating existing legacy hardware, you don't have to keep up with different chipset, motherboards, whatever, USB-C, Wi-Fi, N, and, uh, and high DP, whatever. It's all taken care of by the host. Uh, but the internet is the one exception where the guest operating system, you know, whatever, HTTP2, IPv6, um, different uh, TLS versions now for HTTPS. HTTP itself seems to be deprecated soon. It, it will be all HTTPS. And uh, I tried some websites, HTTPS. My Amiga browser doesn't support the underlying TLS mechanisms. We don't have a uh, um, reputable source where you can trust the, ma the maintenance of the root certificates. It, it's too... Um, it's really complex. This is exactly the kind of worms that we managed to avoid, you know, these boot environments. Why was um, uh, Cake Slide, for example, so our Amiga boot environment for PCs where you put the CD um, in a PC and it starts into Amiga. Why is that so difficult and hard to maintain? Because there's so many hardware changes over time. So when you stay in the classic niche with emulation, you're spared all of that. But as soon as you go at the hardware level, chipset level, you have it all at once. And the same is when the guest goes on the internet. The internet is a problem. We don't have a secure operating system. I mean, uh, of course, we don't hear many Amiga viruses, like we, we, we hear less about Mac viruses relative to Windows. But I don't think that it's because they are more secure. I think it's just because... Not popular. Market, huh? Exactly. They're less interesting, appealing targets. Uh, wow. Uh, so so n now, because uh, I think uh, I, I want to ask you about different things, but now... Mm, uh, you started with this power PC. I, I'm at the at the end of all. I'm not so maybe not now not so big fan of power PC. I see the. I'm not the developer, but I talk with the developers. I try to. I I was in uh, with, uh, in contact with the WebKit developers, and they say they they don't care anymore about power PC. This is the dead processor, so nobody use it, and the. F <clears throat> let, let me finish. So, um, I, I, uh, so this brings the problem for NG systems. But the question is, because now I started to thinking about this, and this is not elegant uh, solution, maybe. But maybe better is to take the uh, Linux uh, kernel, yeah, or BSD, and build it on this the new operating system. Well, you can do it in different la layers, like the. Uh, what was Bernie? Bernie's before our cake slide. What was the bootable? Mm, this was Amitlon, yeah? Amitlon, right? So cake slide, in a way, based on Debian, uh, had a similar approach. And yes, the lowest layer can be, uh, has to be, if you if you want to be, to to save yourself some work. 
uh, it can be Linux based, it can be Microsoft too has a boot environment. Um, right now, Amir Ansari is working a lot, our friend Amir and supporter, and who inherited the Cake Slide maintenance. So, Cake Slide is our Linux based boot environment. Uh, we are working on a new version like 64-bit and, and all the shortcomings of the previous versions that are supposed to be solved. So very soon uh, we will bring an update to Cake Slide so you can uh, boot a modern PC with whatever Skylake CPU and all recent chipsets and be sure that it, the Amiga can run on it. And this is by definition since now Frode in a way also has uh, worked with Tony on PowerPC simulation. This will also be PowerPC. So we also have a solution on this front, like we've had for 10 years now, I think. Uh, but it will be more modern, so 64-bit and PowerPC inclusive. Um, my problem is not <laughs> the problem I see is more. I I, I don't know if these devel developers are representative and where they were. 10 years ago, because for me, already in the late 90s, the PowerPC was pretty dead. So if you chose to stay with these expensive boards that cost more than $1,000 or even two or $3,000 for 15 years, there must be reasons other than, you know, believing in, in the PowerPC being the mm, future. I, I heard this is the problem of uh, license that the Amiga Incorporated give the, uh, gave the license to Hyperion, uh, but only for PowerPC. The, Amiga OS 4 can be only for PowerPC processor, or I'm wrong, maybe you know more about this. Well, I, you can, the, the Hyperion Amiga settlement agreement from 2009 is public. I think there are some limitations in the trademark front, which seems to define and position the contract a bit more than the copyright side of things. I, I now... Oh, to be honest, I think it defines things there in the trademark section, limiting it to Amiga OS 4 and afterwards, but whether it's related to PowerPC or not, I am not so sure. Because, you know, it, make only, it, uh, it makes only sense that there must be something behind that we are still using PowerPC, but at, uh, as I talk in, in noise, the, for example, the jump for, for Amiga OS or maybe for more more for us as well from the power PC to Intel it's not so easy because the the, the, the hardware is plenty a lot of different chips so it's no go yeah at the end of all makes sense we chose the power PC also for an issue of endianness you can you can have a byte ordering which was the same as the 68k so that was an advantage with which switching to Intel you lose if you go native but do we really want to write a new operating system when there's so much competition? I mean, there's so many embedded, real-time, secure, hardened, ultra-small, ultra-complex operating systems for everything. The Internet of Things seems to have an operating system. I mean, I don't want to be like at the beginning of this call, we said everything has been invented. This they already said 200 years ago and 1000 years ago. I mean, there's always, but um, it's a huge effort to write a new or to port a new operating system. And it requires, unfortunately, also this surrounding 
environment, I don't want to call it marketing related, but to create a community. And some people you've seen at the Mega 30 events, um, they, there is this effort, not the friend or OS effort. Um, I'm very curious to, to, to see how that evolves. But um, it's difficult to to create something new when apparently there's no need for it. I mean, yeah, QNX, which was a, a, even a possible partner for Amiga 20 years ago, is a great system for, for many embedded scenarios. Uh, Linux and its variations is great. Microsoft too has uh, embedded PE versions of, of their hardware. Uh, Apple has managed to diversify its offering so that it fits phones, TVs, tablets, everything on the back, in the in the car, in the plane, on the watch. So, yeah, uh, Amiga West promised when there was this, uh, in the early 2000s, it seemed that Amiga West will sell more copies than Mac OS and iOS and whatever. This failed to materialize and to be honest, I don't think. We, we need to go back to planet Earth and admit that this is uh, retro enthusiasm. This is something that maybe has potential on the personal side to create, to express, to show that we don't do it for money. It's just for fun, to learn something new, to stay in touch as a community, to talk to people, but not uh, as a big product thing. I mean, people so people keep surprising you. There are one-on-one projects, new operating systems come up every now and then. Uh, look, even Russia. Russia has a, a project where they are funding Windows alternatives. Um, different countries that we may have not even heard of may have similar efforts, you know, in, in Latin America and uh, Asia. They may have an interest in, in schools. There's all avenues that could be of interest. And, and just one of them could be 100 times the size that we think we have now. <coughs> okay, so uh, maybe I will ask you in um, uh, the uh, about different who are but connected think uh, I'll go back to again to this odyssey because the as i know this is the problem that this is this big entian issue in webkit nobody can fix it and in our community i see nobody wants really fix it maybe besides of deadwood or or case they are, are a little bit working of this but uh, how we can manage this to uh, uh, to have the at least model browser browser in in uh, ng amiga oh, on not not more only this i don't know in a way i think it's good that the web relies less and less on plugins like flash no so one thing less to maintain on the other hand html5 or whatever you want to call it and all the video codecs and and other components that are part of, of a browser, even without plugins, they, they expose the complexity, which we have mentioned at di different layers from the transport to the rendering. It's um, a lot of work. And if the porting is not possible one one because of Indian issues, well, yes, I think it could well be that the browser or it could be an office project or an open office like project could be important factors to consider 
the switch to the other antennas. But then don't forget that the underlying that the underlying operating system is heavily lacking on many aspects, which the other modern systems have. So I'm not sure how much it makes sense to invest to add the future on top of something which is weak in the foundation because it's done by so few people and with so limited resources. So I'm in it more, I'm more, I'm satisfied to use a PC for internet and to have a window of full screen Amiga experience in it. For me, that's fine. I don't, you know, in the early Amiga Forever years, I used a web or whatever to test even websites in an Amiga browser. I gave up, I'll be honest. I don't even know if the HTTPS version of Amiga Forever uh, right now, or we have some sites, no, Amiga Forever has its own IP address, but we have some minor sites which are HTTPS and they require server name indication. To be honest, uh, not even Windows XP supports that. I don't know if, if, if the Amiga supports that. I, so we, we are venturing into irrelevance, I think, um, on, on too many niche, the sub niche of the sub niche of the sub niche and on the internet, I have to give up. I mean, yeah. I would like, if we did 68K, I think a modern TCP/IP stack would be a requirement. We have you have to have TCP uh, um, IPv6. You have to have HTTP/2, and somebody must maintain a root certificate authority. Uh, so revocation and these things, and and then you have the foundation like the Microsoft has a subsystem for security for these things. And uh, but somebody has to maintain it because security requires maintenance by definition. Things change, hash protocols, uh, algorithm, uh, signature, um, and, and certificates. They 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 all expire after a few years. You have to refresh, use something stronger and newer. So static is not possible. Uh, okay, so I think I will come back again to free one because we already talked that could be open source or something. But the question is, um, uh, if we have the development team to 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 make the new version of free two or something more or less in this direction, for example, this could be connected with or this is connected with Vampire Project. I think you know what is it, and this is quite fast old. 68k Amiga, yeah? it would be nice to have the OS 3.2 on this. Yeah, uh, about the numbers, we should maybe ask the community a little bit. I thought personally to me, uh, because 3.5 and 3.9, although disputed, were used, it seems strange to me to go back in a way to 3.2. So that, that's why we use this 3 point with a capital X which even anticipated the Mac OS X and, and so X as in 10, that's how we see it. But yeah, it could be 3.2, whatever. Um, yeah, I think definitely just like we started working on the enhancements with the kind support of, of some of the developers, more can be done. So, it's the, the point to make it really open and explosive in a total way is that we need to sort out some post-93 
legal aspects and, and some additional resources are needed. This is connected with Amiga Incorporated or this is connected with HM uh, Partner or this is completely messed up and nobody knows how? No, I, nothing is completely messed up beyond uh, potential to sort it out. I think I, li I like complex situations. We have gone through many already and everything can be one piece at a time sorted out. But believe me, it has been crazy the time, the money and the white hair that it cost us. So f this is crazy to do it for the Amiga. Sometimes really you have to ask yourself why, why you did it and why you still do it. And I'm trying to clean it up also to, uh, to make it easily, more easily preserved after something may happen to us. I mean, I'm not pretending to, to be here forever or whoever, Cloanto, you know, so we have um, contingency plans if something happens. We should have at least a couple of institutions. I, I have two in mind. So one we already uh, were in talks to to take over if something happens to us. So I don't want to be like some of the companies which just disappeared and left another mess. I want to leave the proper uh, clearance obtained and uh, preserved for succession. So, but we need we need help. It's um, Sometimes it seems that what you do, you know, you have the power to do power. I, I use quote unquote, but it's not really power. It's a burden when you inherit the copyrights. Suddenly you, you have this issue of you risk being the one who's evil. No, before you were the one who had to ask. And then you are the one who doesn't make things possible for one reason or another because of obligations or because of lack of resources or because it's in conflict with something else so uh, we slowly move forward we appreciate all the help we can get i totally agree with you even beyond the vampire i, I mean i'm in touch with the developers but uh, you know for the future I, i would love to see a future 3-1 with or without internet <laughs> uh, with internet <laughs> so, yeah really. I mean, we're talking about classic that's the point yes so continuation reverting to classic this is one of the possible futures the other is a uh, change of NDNS like intel arm uh, and the other is power pc could be forever in a way too i mean the unexpected is always possible yeah so um, but what is amiga we... for you it's amiga is something different for different people For some, it's a way to play the games with the children and grandchildren. For some, it's the ability to retain their old MIDI productivity or whatever software people had, and like, like I have my 3000 in the emulation. That's what the Amiga is for me. I'm less for gaming. But for, for many, it's just gaming. And within the, the world of gaming, everyone has their own favorites. So there's more than 10,000 Commodore Amiga titles unique titles and, and there's a long tail of preferences. Um, and then there's, in a way, good and bad, the hope that something modern can be achieved. Or then maybe your your avenue is more of a compromise. It's a middle way, you know, like the anti-piracy. Don't try too hard, just bring it up to date, fix the bugs. And this is personally also my favorite, you know, fix the bugs, make the essential things possible whether it's 64-bit uh, or more, uh, a decent file system support. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the, 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 maybe this is connected. It, uh, it, the potential, the new free 
0.2 or something OS. It will be more um, connected uh, in uh, OS 3.9 or, or it will be uh, more free one with patches. Or could it, it be. It depends what we can resolve. It's so I think we, yeah, you asked me specific questions. Is it one company or the other? We try to work with whoever is necessary, but some things, you know, they tell you, oh, I have a change right now. Please ask me again in six months. Oh, it's really difficult. I, it was a difficult time for me. I don't want to go back to this. And you have to be a little bit patient. And if, if you trust me, I mean, I'm not, I'm committed to exactly the same question of yours. This is more than a question. This is a mission also for me. So, uh, and once we sort out, if we can, the things that, yeah. So right now I can give you, you know, I can tell you what I, I we have achieved, which five years was not the case. Five years ago, we didn't have the freedom up to even 93. Now we have that. Yeah, exactly. So, so one maybe... step after the other. Uh, maybe now I would ask you about this something because the Cloanto has the rights to OS 3.1 or at least you sell it, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, year ago this was the high potential uh, bankruptcy of Hyperion, and everybody was in panic that the the uh, uh, Amiga is dead. But so in this situation, uh, can you be a backup? So something like yes, yeah, yes and no. Um, I cannot speak, of course, for Hyperion, but Hyperion has has obligations uh, is intertwined with the rights of several of its developers who also own rights over the code, I guess. So for everything modern they created, let's say the company disappears, probably under copyright legislation, but one would have to see the contracts, what they say, rights would revert back to the individual authors if they were not already theirs. And you could work with whoever, the Frieden brothers or whoever contributed things. So uh, theoretically speaking, without, I am, I am not a lawyer, I am not providing legal advice, I'm not speaking for anyone, but I, I see a possibility there building on the rights that we have. So you, you mentioned the rights to distribute the classic OS. Uh, this is how it started. We then confirmed uh, these rights in a coexistence agreement after the Gateway 97 agreement. Um, we also clarified like the classic support thing. No, that's something people asked a lot, but we couldn't do it initially. We, we were in the difficult position to uh, only say no, but I wanted to say yes. So we clarified that too. This became possible after a clarification with Amiga Inc. that we could also support classic Amiga hardware, for example. But then on the copyright side, um, although we don't have all the rights to 3.1 in as far as that was completed in 94, we have all the rights up to 93. So we own the copyrights, everything up to 93. It's not just the right to, 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 to use it. It's the ownership. So, um, if everything after that failed, we could start continue building from 93. <laughs> okay. So that's uh, and it's not there's not so much code in '94 if you speak about 3.1. Of course, we could also join forces and and with arrows with uh, with objects <coughs> that everything is is possible. So um, 
Yeah, this is maybe not good. We have no claims over Amigo S4, of course. And as the copyright owners for the materials which we own, we have to respect previous agreements, which we do, of course. Everything, every time a copyright changes hands, the uh, past agreements travel with it. Okay, so maybe now is good question about this uh, because you, you you mentioned it about this cooperation and um, like I always saying that the, the Amiga community is divided. We have the Morpheus, Aeros, uh, OS4, and the Classic. Uh, so, do you think this is possibility in future to cooperate more or join forces, or this is? And, uh, not possible and this will be uh, goes in this three or four directions yeah i think i think there is a few directions by definition let's say if you ask me the same thing about the c64 no i would tell you that the c64 has a nice clean uncontaminated retro identity the amiga instead the amiga is already split in two it has the retro identity for the classic and then the one you call ng which is the hope that something new is possible and and it will be really modern which is a challenge it can be a sad challenge it can be let's give it the hope for success i like to be surprised in that respect as well and so many developers have, have done great things but there's also also shown the limits of how complex the world nowadays is to support different technologies and, and stay up to date on multiple fronts with such a niche community of users who are the ones who support you at the end. So I think I, I, I am surprised that our decision to to basically to focus on the on the classic on the 68k with emulation, in my opinion, not because we had the wisdom to see today back in 90 in the 90s, but in my opinion, and to my positive surprise, I think that remains the the way to go. Whether you are for productivity because you have more applications or because the important applications for you are the classic applications or for gaming, I think classic is... For me, that is the Amiga. Everything else for me, you know, I bought a Micro A1, I sold it again with the emulation now. I again started with Amiga OS 4.1 a little bit and other people are doing just that. But uh, it doesn't give me any added value uh, to browse the web. We said we have to use a modern browser anyway. And modern is whatever is the latest version. It's not even the previous Firefox or Chrome version. It's the current version. No? Um, so um, I'm sorry for NG. It could be a, an interesting academic exercise. Uh, it could be... <laughs> Well, to be very technical, there's so many things in, in, in internal uh, parallelism, in, in memory management, in security. Uh, possibly, you know, you could rewrite everything again. You know, for, for the third time, with the experience of the classic, with the experience of Amigo S4, and with the experience of one. But, five, five, yeah. Yeah, so theoretically, of course. Even Microsoft, you know, they, they just... NTFS was a great file system, but it's not good enough to handle the really big <laughs> data we are dealing now. We we went from four floppy disks to uh, what was my first disk? Hard disk, 20 or 80 megabyte, whatever Commodore had. I think when I started being able to afford it, it was the 81. 
80 megabytes, and then we jump from gigabyte to terabytes without even noticing. It's like the first terabyte disk and the current, sorry, the first gigabyte disk and the terabyte, what what happened in between, we don't even remember. And now uh, you have BitRot. I, I made this experience, you know, when I switched to a new hard disk or even for old archive disks, you know, you have two or four gigabyte disks, no, terabyte disks. Um, with videos and um, uh, archive material, I do a, a diff. I mean, after I copy, I check that the one is the same as the other. And it happened to me already a couple of times that one bit was different. So this is bit rot at work in spite of NTFS or whatever. So that's why Microsoft said we need a new file system which detects and corrects bit rot. So you have the new resilient file system. You have it in servers only now and it will you can activate it in the registry also on the desktop version and uh, resilient uh, um, refs refs uh, is able to uh, detect bit rot so like a, a bit that changes at random it, it shortens the repair operations in many scenarios you don't have to do uh, disk checks anymore and uh, we when used in a storage space uh, which is a mirror or two disks it can automatically correct things, uh, even if they happen because of this bit rot. It has, it has additional checksums and so on. And in, even in the Linux and Mac OS, these things are not so obvious. So uh, ZFS, I think, has something like that. But this is very, this is just one example of many, many things, not just the internet. Uh, but just imagine the all the layers introduced by USB 3.1 and USB-C or apparently simple things from redrawing the user interface when you move uh, an intuition window from one DPI monitor to the one next to it and it has a different DPI. Uh, we, we had to work with Microsoft engineers to do this properly and we are proud of it because in a way we are still hackers and we like to go low level in these things. But it's a complex world, and uh, to have this NG in a associated one-to-one to Amiga, NG Amiga, I don't know. It's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, but it will be split. It will be split. The people I work with most, mostly, they are classic. Even if now we have seen, I would say, thanks to emulation, from my perspective, a resurgence of. of of this ng interest and this question of yours is a, is a proof of it is a sign of now maybe let's talk about the and power pc emulation in in amiga forever uh, how it's happened and um, which future plans uh, do you have and the as you say the interest of this version uh, it is quite i think it is quite high yeah yes it's it is high it is not the highest ever but it is interesting um well i have no claim i mean the, here the 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 open source contribution and potential for the future is huge uh for the future is because we have the potential for just in time which apple had in its own power pc simulation already 10 years ago so there's huge potential for power pc simulation in my opinion but what tony did and for did that that is huge what the, i mean qmu binding it, it so the qmo team also did um that's where the power pc emulation comes from personally 
I enjoy being in frequent touch with Tony. I'm very humbled for the, the work he's now steadily doing. And as he does from time to time, he says, hmm, I did it. It was easier than expected. So, you know, you have this hope for, for months or years that something is going to be uh, done like power pc simulation in this case because there was a lot of demand for this i know it's different complex i'm not interested it's a monstrosity because indeed it is it's a this uh, this, this expansion board in a classic amiga in a way it's a frankenstein no so the the idea already to start working when you don't know it well it's it's it has a high barrier to entry but then she said, oh, it was easier than I thought. <laughs> this board, after all, isn't doing so much. So um, it was easier than expected, and we are grateful that we have it. Now uh, you will see, now in March uh, 2016, probably uh, uh, the next step, which is even tighter integration. There's this new Zorro board uh, to exchange in a proper way data without using uh, UAE based 68K um emulation hacks so communication between guest and host whether the host is windows linux or mac and the guest and by that i mean mac amiga os 4 and 3 goes through this virtual zorro board oh, 6502-1 and that's um it, it now incorporates the boot room it's there it's not somewhere else and it incorporates uh functionality to to for mouse handover for mounting directories for using a synthetic uh, targetable graphics board so this is a new elegant thing which is emerging and uh, which we're very excited to to see this year and also in amiga forever again the support it's already in beta we keep to to have this mission of making it it has to just work so all the impossible combinations or the missing things you have to take into account in the WinUI f12 user interface in amiga forever you shouldn't because we already asked all the stupid questions to tony or we tried it all so we just move some sliders and that's the memory you want it doesn't you don't have to know that inside it's too. So the, this means is uh, it will be the pre-configured and it will come with update. Yeah. Yeah. This is a free update in Amiga Forever 2016. But also, it's not just pre-configured and dumped down. It is for you can edit it, but the edits you make, every combination is cross-checked for integrity. So you cannot do. Too many imposs impossible things. There will be like a, a yellow warning triangle telling you, look, you're pushing some Zero 03 board outside of the accessible memory range, you know? So this is how uh, we, we, or some things will be ghosted because they are impossible. So everything you can do in the Media Forever user interface has been carefully tested for integrity. If one thing excludes the other, it is visually excluded. This is not always obvious. If something is implicitly required, it is automatically added. And this also was a ton of work. And again, then the configuration is stored in this RP9 file, which comes with the title. And it should be there in, a, in an emulation independent way, 
for the next 20 years. So it's an XML file. It doesn't describe things in terms of emulator. It describes things in terms of uh, real hardware. So like uh, uh, using Amiga references or C64 references for C64 forever and so on. Okay, so um, yeah, I'm glad to hear, hear this. This is the status and my hope is that now, now we have more integration uh, with this intermediate board and uh, who knows with the just-in-time and what else uh, the future may bring. Yeah, because uh, maybe the future of NG system is power PC emulation. It's cheaper, maybe in future will be faster. But with this, I have the question connected uh, because maybe classic is, is not enough to emulate. Um, and this is connected with the uh, ROM from the Cyberstrom. And this, uh, I think for this you must pay or something. Yeah, It's included in Amiga Forever, I know this. Uh, maybe it's better to write the emulation of uh, open workstation. This was Pegasus too, yeah? Well, uh, first, let's not dismiss the classic Amiga. In an irony of sorts, you can use more Zoro 3 memory space in Amiga OS 3X than in Amiga OS 4. In Amiga OS 4, the limit is one gigabyte. They 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 took the, document, the Zoro documentation to the letter. In Amiga OS 3.1, the limit is two gigabytes. It's if there's a board beyond, it can still be used. In Amiga OS 4, it can't. So, in a strange way, you can have more usable memory. But still, today, what do you do with two gigabytes? Uh, yeah, it's it's borderline for some things. Um, yeah, you don't need to emulate this Frankenstein thing, obviously. But the goal is also again, w w the question is, what is the goal? Is it a modern operating system? We said already that with the PowerPC, because of endianness issues and because of the limitations of the underlying OS, whether it's security or feature-wise, other features, you cannot even run it. It's not easy to port a browser, which in turn, a browser, it's like, it's like an operating system in itself. Increasingly, things are modern in the browser. And also, for the past 15 years, we've seen this trend, I think. Uh, do you really want to have an emulation and an emulation and an emulation, like how many layers do you need when outside you can have a window next to it and just switch from one to the other? I, I'm not so sure that, uh, yeah, we can emulate a different machine. Once again, I don't think this thought is appealing to Tony, for example, to emulate something that is not an Amiga, but I'm not speaking for him, but I'm just from my personal feeling. But still, we use other plugins. We could emulate with uh, QEMU or whatever directly. Uh, there's so many other native PowerPC architectures. We would add our own retro platform layer, like we already did with uh, Vice, WinOE, and WinFellow. So you have the exact same user interface experience you have now. You don't even notice the underlying change, just you have a more elegant machine. It will not emulate the classic. For that, you will need the same, maybe Amiga Forever, but a different window. So you have a more modern PowerPC machine, which maybe even the, the Morphos people or whoever does PowerPC, they would prefer a, a more controlled and, and system with less unnecessary parts and uh, no sync more complex synchronization or limitations between one and the other so yes it could be a different emulation but uh, do we need it 
Good. So the I, I, I'm uh, at least I'm big fan of this emulation. I think this could be um... uh, emulation is magic. I mean, for me, the word emulation, it's it evokes you know it's it's a feeling of of refreshing awe and surprise when when I see on a thin notebook this. I have the same feeling of surprise when I see the Amiga boot in, in the 1.3 with the blue screen, see this on a, on a notebook. And uh, it's back in time, but also the present. Uh, so sure, the, like the floppy sound, they can be annoying, but it's it's nice, nice to have it also every now and then to bring you back in time. About emulation, because uh, I think you know the, this project Alice from Aeon, yeah? Uh, this will be the net notebook with emulation, but you have the similar solution, similar uh, this KX uh, project, yeah. But my question is, if your project in future will be able to boot in, for example, again Mac or or something like this, because this is only for PCs, yeah. Well, secure boot, UFI boot is is one of those things that's required you cannot just disable secure boot in modern days uh, to avoid viruses and so on but it's different from machine to machine and it's to have multiple boots it's, it's a challenging thing uh so i know nothing about this alice project um it's i mean i understand it's a notebook with uh, something like our own cake slide amir ansari is our friend who took over the cake slide Maintenance, not an easy task at all, but you have to be a Linux expert, which he is, and have a lot of passion, even if you know, not all the free time we wish to have. But we are expecting a cake slide update very soon now. So ideally, it would have been already in the initial release of Amiga Forever 2016. It wasn't possible, but it's coming. I mean, I know that right now we are not installing properly on many modern motherboards. But a new kernel is uh, is being built with the right parts to avoid the shortcomings of the past versions and to support more, more modern things. So it, it is the underlying Linux layer, um, Debian Canopics based, which we have been we, we mentioned earlier here in this talk, and uh, which is the minimum required to. To, to not have to deal at the Amiga level with all the PC devices, but then to jump into an Amiga-like environment. And so we have also now, now because of the new developments, PowerPC simulation will be possible as well. So, uh, of course, as I said, in 97, we already had an Amiga notebook with official powered by Amiga notebook uh, logo licensed by Gateway. Now we, we don't have that powered by Amiga logo anymore, but um, the Amiga possible notebook has been possible for 20 years. It's not something new. And uh, but for, for for example, again with this notebook, the question is: if you can in future add maybe not Mac, maybe Mac was not so necessary. It's not so. But there there are a lot of chips Chromebooks with Intel's. I think it must be Intel. Uh, this is possible to to make this um, for the Chromebooks or something like this. You can buy it for two hundred euros and you can enjoy yeah, Amiga notebook in this situation. Well, I am. Would you? I mean, if I bought a notebook, I would like to buy it with a keyboard layout I wanted from the company I wish that gives me the local support when I need it. 
uh, and I want to install with it or to update it with whatever needs to be, including secure boot signature updates or fixes. And I want to be sure that it keeps working two years from now like it does now. I don't know if uh, an Amiga developer has the experience to do a modified Windows notebook that meets all these requirements. I mean, as an experiment, as a showcase, sure. Yeah, but, but, like, but I'm um, talking about Chromebook, and Chromebook is based on Chrome OS, so I, maybe it's different. Okay, how much do you want to show or hide? Do you want to boot directly into it? Yeah, I was just thinking when I buy Amiga Forever, I can make the image uh, image of 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 of, of oh. Amiga Forever put in the stick. Chromebook, and... like the Raspberry Pi, is indeed a hot topic. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> with more resources, we would address this. We had a collaboration with the Google team, who did the Chrome. You know the the, the emulator in Chrome, the, the Chrome browser, though. Ah, okay. So, um, so what would you do with this? I'm I'm curious. Would you like to have a system where you, uh, the the host is there no host OS? Uh, wh- which web browser would you use in this system? Yeah, this is uh, the, yeah, this was only an idea, and I don't know if it, this is a good idea. <laughs> uh, but it, it comes up often. So, is it like the? I don't like the idea of a guest of a host OS. Like, I want only the Amiga to be. It's it's like this. It's not the real thing, but it's more real if it's nothing else in it. It's um, but it's hard to define. I mean, in a way, we we don't like Linux or Windows or Mac OS maybe, but we still need it to browse the web, like we said. So without opening security holes and one going through the other, which is another of those aspects where security is a priority uh what is your goal uh, maybe the goal could be to have the cheap uh, os4 machine yeah huh. yeah yeah and use it as a dedicated amiga amiga system but with emulation it would still be slower than a well on the other hand <laughs> the best you need it costs money thousand dollars two thousand dollars so a real power pc yeah, the problem is that, uh, the, uh, as we spoken, that the the cost of the new hardware, maybe the tab tabor will be cheaper. I he- I think will be cheaper, uh, but the cost of the X five thousand, it's I don't know because it should be released and it's not uh, released, but uh, it's for sure two thousand euros minimum. It's um, I think whoever invested in this direction needs to be properly supported and is supported <coughs> I, ca- I couldn't afford to or don't have the interest to go in this direction personally so i'm happy if we can be a little bit um, disruptive almost in a way and and open up uh, the the, the ac- access to ng amiga os with emulation this is more close to our core mission in this respect um yeah, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, initially the idea of this standalone Amiga on on top of something almost invisible in a cheap modern hardware, like a lot of people are using old PCs no, for this similar need. They, they convert old PCs with removing everything possible from the boot sequence where yeah, they use Linux. You, you can buy it on eBay or Amibay. I saw something, some, some project like, the, like this, yeah? And you go straight into Amiga. 
but then, yeah, it's a nice hobby project. I would have one, but I would have one next to my PC probably. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Without PC, we cannot even record this podcast. So yeah. I, I, I have come to accept that emulation in full screen or a window is good enough if it, for me if it runs on the same system where I also have a modern host OS. For me, one machine is enough. Sure, I could have a second machine where it boots straight into this full screen, yes. And for 200 euros, maybe. But then I still also think uh, the maintenance and all the things. If it is a Windows PC, this is non-trivial. I mean, as a Windows developer, uh, I, I know the security and the boot process and the runtime, the interaction with the host and guest. It's, it's uh, as I said, for, us, for a one-man showcase to show it to you at a... Um, at an anniversary event or whatever I, uh, f between friends but if i have to sell it am i opening something like the ftc defines it as a mass compromise uh, am i opening uh, something that can easily be attacked i mean security brings some obligations with it uh, asus just lost a case because in 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 their routers they had some flaws and now they have to do 20 years of security audits are we better than that? Yeah, and the, the, there is a hot story from the few days ago that if uh, FBI want to Apple to open the or de decode the iPhone and they don't want it, and this is the security stuff as well. Yeah, this is equally fascinating to me. To me, the real question of the Apple case is the following: If there is a technology to read the mind, not the handphone. I think our data is an extension of our mind and in that way it should be considered secure and private to us and to what we decide to do with it. But if there is a technology to read the content of the brain, the mind of a person alive or dead, should the government be able to use it or not? Because if the answer is yes, then they should also read the phone. If the answer is no, they should also not read the phone. I see the, the devices, our hard disks, our extended memories, using the, the, the technology as an extension of myself to create, to express, to take my notes. I see it very much as a, as a space where I like to believe it's, it's secure, like an extension of my mind. In, in this way, I feel empowered and, and that's how I think it should be. Like when, it's something I, I discussed with my nephew a few years ago. Um, you're Polish. No, you're from Poland. Pope mm -hmm. John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, had uh, left a written uh, legacy testament. He said, "All my notes should be burned after I die." No, he ga he gave clear orders. Uh, these orders were not respected because uh, for the preservation of, of something of historical importance, it was deemed to be a, a higher ranking priority. So uh, this is not just can the government read my phone or my mind? Is it also a question of can I decide about what happens to my mind extensions after my death, for example? See, these are many interesting, fascinating questions that uh, they are increasingly modern the more the more the technology 
exposes them to us. But I think, yeah, I like the parallel. I thought about this Apple case, and I think the real question can be seen as go in the future, decide if the government can read my mind, then go back and apply the same logic to can it read my encrypted phone? And it's not just in this case. We, we travel customs. You go from the US to Canada, you, get, you go to the UK, and sometimes the customs people, they connect a device to your notebook and they want to access your, your files. Now, if they are encrypted, you may be, there have been cases, under perceived obligation to, to, to provide the keys. So, uh, again, I have a main PC which is offline and hasn't been logged off or rebooted for like four months now. And my notebook is my lightweight uh, internet connected device, which I'm now using also for, for Skype. And uh, if, if I go through customs or whatever, uh, it doesn't have any data which is on the cloud. I can be free to go also in a country which is, let's say, hostile to, to freedom rights, whether it's, you know, where there's no democracy or whatever. I don't, <laughs> these definitions would really open a can of worms now. But, uh, but you have to think about this, not just as a criminal, but also as a law-abiding citizen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, when you travel to... to another country, you have to respect the rules, the rules of customs, which means everything you have, I have to access, and not just for a criminal like in this case. This is also the case right now in in Europe. Is encryption legal or not? That's another hot topic. So, but again, go back in the future and answer the question: Is it is the content of your mind yours or not? Or think about Pope John Paul II. Was it okay that he said in his testament that his notes should be burned or destroyed and these were not respected? It's I'm, I don't have the answer, but I like this discussion. Yeah, the, the, the answer is I think nobody knows is the answer because the topic is very hard and first must be a lot of discussions. Yeah? We like to be on the forefront of technology and interaction with people. So I think these are healthy topics and, and machine intelligence <laughs> for as far as it can be even just glimpsed in what is predictable now will, will, bring, will bring much, much more of a revolution. And then I'm curious to see who will be the first to have it. The good or the bad? <laughs> it's bad. We are all a bit good and a bit bad, no? Like a... It is, uh, depends uh, as well, I think, who is good, who is bad. <laughs> <laughs> If I have it, of course, I am good. <laughs> uh, okay, but uh, I think this is, we, we go too deeply. <laughs> yeah, but the seed uh, of evil, like in the yin and yang symbol, no? The seed of evil is also in the good, and the seed of good is also in the bad. So it's... Uh... But maybe let's let's talk about future. But um, uh, about the future of Cloanto, what plans you do you have? Do uh, the, do you bring a new software uh, more than uh, Amiga Forever uh, C64 Forever? You can expect something more, or I don't know. This is a big. If I knew, you know, sometimes you knew what is the right thing to do, you would do only that, and it be successful but sometimes we have to try and indeed competition is big uh, we are limited in the way we work maybe uh, where we are whatever and uh, we are not the next Facebook <laughs> we are not <laughs> uh, uh, the next Atalassian or whatever I see so many interesting companies who keep surprising you in what they did in a few years so 
I don't know what will be next. I I know that I will have one foot. I would like to always have in in preservation of all things Commodore and Amiga, but I need to have another foot somewhere else in order to make this possible. And I wish that this something else gave us the infrastructure to do more also on the preservation front. So I, I'm always trying to have my eyes open. As I said, we, we, we have a business software that's growing constantly, but not you know, uh, exponentially. It's, uh, it's, it's okay. We can, we can go on with a life like this. It's, it's also life like this because we uh, always adapt to new situations. Uh, so it's never static. But uh, the results are just a small, small improvement, no big explosion. So when I see a company like uh, Facebook, as I mentioned, Facebook, they were a surprise. Like a few years before the Internet itself, the web was a surprise. Like, um, the Google was a surprise. As well. was a, YouTube was a surprise. You know, people nowadays speak about the DMCA legislation in negative terms, terms. But look at what the DMCA made possible because it removed the burden, the liability from the content provider. So the content provider now can experiment in many new ways, which before were not possible. It's like having legal emulation, no? having taken care of that. Uh, the same is now for online content. You can put content online under the assumption that it's okay and only then remove it. Before the liability was, you, you, you could never have done a YouTube without the DMCA. Because if there was something uh, inappropriate, it would have been directly uh, tied to the hosting entity. So let's see. Let's keep our eyes open. I hope uh, when we're offline, you will give me some secret idea about the future. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, I have. Uh, we should, I think, finishing uh, our very nice interview here. But I have one question that I don't want to forget. Uh, how many guys are working with Amiga Forever and C64 Forever project? Ah, it's a lot. Um, I would say later Amiga projects, since we had these CD versions, were already uh, dozens of people. Like, uh, so who does more, who does less? Um, mostly working from home, but not everybody. Um, so yeah, dozens. Roles that are brief in time or last for decades or roles from full work days to uh, more limited, you know? So it's an exciting, challenging cooperation. We try to use tools to, to, to help stay in touch. Uh, like if we were all in one place and see what the others do and so on, even if we are more distributed. Okay. Okay, so um, now the maybe easy questions. Um, you use the emulation, of course, uh, 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 for, for sure. Uh, the question is, do you prefer the uh, your own workbench or you prefer, for example, something like Amikit or classic uh, workbench on, you know, this, this pre-installed systems uh, or do you, we can connect it as well with the question, do, advice for new commerce if newcomers are here uh, how you can start it with the amiga and the operating system and so on 
the question is easily the last question is easily answered because we offer it all in Amiga Forever. If you like, if you like uh, Amikit, Amigasys, or the the classic experience, that systems tab of Amiga Forever comes with every official release. Uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, even by hardware to Amiga 2000, 3000, 4000. So you're fully covered in the native original experience. Then we have our own uh, enhanced experience, which we call Workbench 1.3 and Workbench 3X. These two um, very carefully enhanced experience, meaning that we try to respect original intention and the last uh, the last uh, expression of the Commodore Amiga company. So we have some of that, but not in a way that, um, you know, some, some choices you see in Amikit, they're really heavy changes. You may like them or not like them. I prefer that the user does this. So if they like Amikit, fine. If they like just one of the uh, enhancements, they can install them from Ami, AmiNet or wherever. Um, so they can add them on top of the original experience. They, we have plenty of instructions on AmigaForever.com on how to image your own old hard disks, how to exchange data between host and guest and so on. So anything you can do and modify with your own Amiga, all the different scenarios you can do in Amiga Forever. Not only that, you can more easily change the configuration, do and undo, create copies. You know, it's just a right click, click, create copy or commit, don't commit, revert. You can do all of that very easily, take snapshots. So there's much more freedom to experiment. I don't feel like I have to um, answer, you know, my, my answer, if, I, if it was for me, my preferred configuration is one you don't see in Amiga Forever. It's the one I have uh, from my Amiga 3000. I have a tool manager dock on the right. I have an Andromeda Galaxy in the background <laughs> and other utilities and things which are not in Amiga Forever because that's what, what my personal Amiga was and that still is emulation. Um, I would start from... If it was for productivity, probably Workbench 3X, I would make a copy of that and start adding things. If, if you feel like you don't like the dock, uh, the tool manager dock we have on the bottom, or you, you, or you would like to add another one. But 3X is pretty conservative in its enhancements because it doesn't want to distance itself too much from the original experience. So I would say it is a set of essential tools and add-ons but you can you remove the work drive, Workbench 3X, 3X works fine even without the work partition and it reverts back to a pretty clean yet updated 3X experience. So I would take either an Amiga 4000 and start from scratch and add what I wish or consider our enhancements from Workbench 3X or Army Kit. Amiga Sys hasn't been updated in a while. I think he lost uh, he lost a hard disk and is, was busy at work too. So right now, Amikid is the example of one possible way to push it really to the limit. But at the same time, you introduce incompatibilities. Uh, it's a matter of personal taste. Maybe bloatware for some. For me, it's too much personally. So yeah, it's 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 heavy. It's a nice configured, but it's heavy. At, it's uh, like at it's almost like a show off of uh, more is better. Uh, for me, not always more is better. 
Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I think uh, the, maybe the last question, the, the future of Amiga in in a way because we talk already talk about PowerPC. This is maybe not so perfect processor, but um, uh, uh, now we have the new hardware like Vampire and, for example, other PowerPC Sonnet for classic Amiga. Uh, what do you think about this? Oh, it's uh, these days <clears throat> you have smaller and smaller and less expensive devices where um, we have a long tail also on the hardware side. We have, um, and this makes it more difficult for us to support everyone. You know, you mentioned the Chromebook. I mentioned the Raspberry Pi. Uh, there's a myriad of devices which I would love to see supported more. And I think with some, one of the things we're trying to do is with some automation, with some standard agreements to, um, to work and meet more also the this diversity of hardware but i'm excited to see i mean i mean you know like recently we had this new aga core for the fpgas some fpga projects uh constant enhancements or wherever you look not just power pc arm based devices fpga based devices and power pc so you have these fronts plus the pc and similar systems yes I, I wish we could do more for all of them, but at the core, we go back to the question of can we have an Amiga 3.2 or whatever you want to call it. And I think, yeah, that's inside. If you want to put a classic core, yes, that's one way we can do it. Or for the gamers, the games will keep running, I suppose. Now even the Raspberry Pi, the new one is pretty powerful. The previous generation wasn't really good enough it was good for productivity like in 97 a, a, a pentium was good enough for, for productivity but not for games mm -hmm. uh, uh, and this is the last question because and <laughs> uh, now i uh, what do you think because um, uh, i think in uh, in our community maybe more even in classic community um, it will be nice to have the new for example new quality games but it should be paid somehow, I think, to, 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 to make some money for developers. Yeah? Do you think there is a small market with the cash in classic Amiga for gaming or something like, like this? To encourage the guys to do something new stuff because the Atari, Commodore 64, they, 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 they have the new games good quality, in good quality. Yeah, yeah and even, even, even the C64, you have. I, I, at the Mega 30 anniversary in Mountain View, I met a developer who has spent years to create a new uh, game to be distributed on cartridge for the C64. And I think, I wish him all the best, and I think he can make it and break even. Also, because there's this clear retro identity, also because maybe the C64 had higher numbers than the Amiga. So the Amiga is at a disadvantage in terms of numbers and in terms of split identity, all these different directions, modern, not so modern, um, retro, not retro. Um, <laughs> app stores, we have plenty, but just like you see that 
developers tend to prefer like the iOS store because they see more revenue there than on Android and Windows Phone. <laughs> okay, if people don't like developing for Windows Phone, why would they develop for the Mega? And we have a few hundred paying customers. So it's a niche thing. In a way, this is good because it shows that if you have the choice, if you made the choice to stay there, it's a heart and passion thing. Uh, obviously, the same time spent on a game you would have done on, on another platform probably it would have been it would have had at least the hope of more success um you, you, at the same time you're not really selling this you know the retro experience on a, a magnetic cassette which still some people do today or cartridge for the c64 people still do this today with the new releases for 8-bit systems uh, so it doesn't have this retro aspect. Well, I, I don't know. To be honest, uh, as a developer, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't do this. But I this is this is getting personal now. <laughs> if you're asking me about my feeling, I like to be surprised. So sometimes when people really believe in something, they they will you just see them succeed, even if you thought it, it's not possible. But I know how small this market. is. I, I know because I'm in there. So yeah, true. this is true. I'm asking because the, uh, the the some guys from Poland they make the game Tanks Fury, yeah, and this is a great commerce in Amiga way success because the game is uh, free to download or it will be free to download, but the, uh, they sell uh, quite a lot of boxes, boxed version of game. So maybe this is the and they find the the, the publisher of this. So well, we sell boxes too. Still, who would have thought that? I thought DVDs and CDs were going to die more than ten years ago. And but this is collection yeah, way now. Yeah. Microsoft and others were selling their CD factories, uh, and everything is now indeed online download and activation, scratch card, and these things. But still, yeah, boxes, collection. This again, it's a matter of different personality types. No, one is NG and retro and so on. But also, am I a collector or am I on the opposite front? There's more and more people today. They don't like uh, to own anything. Don't give me gifts because then I have to dispose of them and catalog them and whatever. I want an empty house and I have a free mind and all things done and managed. Um, different people. This is so beautiful. Uh, diversity, you know. So um, I, if, if it was for me to give an advice, to be honest, as a, to a young person, I would say, yes, developer to make the experience because the community is great. You can go try to go to events, exchange ideas. Go today. There's so many uh, uh also uh, gaming and social casual events i mean I, I in 2015 i went to three or four uh amiga anniversary events but i also went to to gaming events like uh, devgam in minsk and uh and, and other developer events which are more quote unquote uh, serious no and i i missed devcons from the mega days and that's the same energy you can you can still find at events. So whatever you do, try and relate yourself to real people. See what other developers do. See, watch your users, how they play the game. Listen to the feedback. And uh, but if you really have hope, and software is unfortunately also a bit of a gamble. If you do have hope, well then aim for for whatever console or mobile device that um, probably fits your intended audience a bit better in terms of numbers 
So if you have a big competitor, maybe on iOS, it would be an opportunity to have the same app on one of the two other platforms, Android or Windows Phone. Maybe Microsoft could even pay you. Who knows? Like uh, BlackBerry paid you for for apps uh, years ago, and whatever you find. Uh, but Amiga, you know, we are talking about hundreds of people. I mean, look S- at the page rank, look at the page rank of sites. Uh, by any metric, uh, four digit is very, very difficult. So look at count the active users on site. Somebody should do this, really a statistic. Look, look at the three or four Amiga sites and see how many people post and are active. They log on and post and whatever. So and make a nice chart over time and to, to help visualize this information. Otherwise, it seems to be, uh, you know, you, there's a lot of desperation and energy by a few, sure, but how meaningful it is, it, it's hard to guess from the outside. And it, uh, for, uh, as a market, uh, you have to ask the people who have a feeling of the market. I think we do have a, a good feeling of what's left. We saw how it was, we saw how it changed. We would have abandoned ship in the 90s had it been important for us. So we're still here. I'm saying the I'm preaching the opposite of what I'm doing myself. I shouldn't be doing things, Amiga, but I am, so I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? If, 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 if this absurd ending, uh, could it be more fitting than that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, good. I think uh, from my side is everything. Uh, uh, yeah. Or I should here. ask some, something. Now, we are still here in spite of everything. And because we are still here, it will continue. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope somehow. Thank you, uh, Christoph, for organizing this. You're one of the few who keeps us connected, active and entertained when we drive or wherever we are. Uh, also, you're like a radio station, no? Which is <laughs> an important form of culture. And culture is also what this uh, Commodore Amiga thing is very much for me. Uh, and um, so you're doing a very important job, I think, to to keep us connected and informed and, and the dialogue. I mean, I saw you in person in noise and, and it's good to, to remind us that it's also about the people no? and the different needs of people and hopes and not just the machines, the old machines. Yeah, this is this was uh, noise was very nice. I must say this was the and it was nice to meet you live. And now it's uh, as well nice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's life without yeah. vision. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope we meet us in the near future somehow and somewhere. Yeah, the fifth anniversary. How could I miss it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So have a nice evening, and thank you for your time. Too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
It was AmiCast, podcast for all Amiga users.